Well, good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you. Welcome to our service here at 10 o'clock. And welcome to anybody who's joining us online. You're very, very welcome. I hope you've been uh, surviving the very warm weather uh, this uh, last week and the weeks before. Uh, it is cooler in here, so uh, you've got a bit of respite for a little bit of time this morning. Uh, just a couple of notices. Uh, if you didn't receive the letter by email this week that I sent out, uh, that uh, I'd like you to read. There are paper copies available in church. Do take a paper copy if you'd like that. Uh, take home to read and do uh, uh, join in as appropriate as on the letter. And one of the things I talk about is the event coming up in September called Sanctuary Day, which is described on the leaflet as well, which is available in church. You can take if you haven't had one already. Uh, it's a day here on the 24th of September, uh, it's a day being led by Christopher Landau of Resource. Uh, it's a day of worship, teaching, refreshing, fellowship and ministry. A day to draw near to God. Uh, a day to also have fellowship with each other. So please do uh, put that date in your diary. If you want to come, book in via our website. Uh, and we will be praying into that uh, later on uh, this month. Maybe into September particularly. Now I have some bands of marriage to read, and I, so I published the bands of marriage between Andrew Ben Kingsbury Shedden of this parish and Tony Elizabeth Middleton of this parish. This is for the first time of asking if anybody knows any reason law why these two persons may not lawfully marry, you are to declare it now. Let's pray for Andrew and Tony, shall we? Father, we lift Andrew and Tony to you as they prepare for their wedding. Uh, we pray for them in their preparations. We pray for them in their married life together. We pray, Lord, you bless them, that you would be at the center of their life together. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to pray the prayer of preparation together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, there are flags available if you'd like to wave those during these next two uh, worship songs. And it's great that Sue's been joined by Debbie and Claire this morning. And so let's stand and let's worship our risen King together. Let's stand to sing.
to have a seat. Now, Ian is here to be with any children. There's a very few. There's a, yeah, is it just the one or two? Yeah. But we've got a children's group to go out now with Ian and Hilary. So uh, if you're wanting to go out, that's absolutely fine. And uh, let's, let's pray for the, the few who are going out. Father, we thank you for this holiday time, this season of summer, holiday time in August and school holidays. We pray for all our uh, church families, wherever they are, uh, on holiday or away or uh, maybe at home. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for the few children here this morning. We pray your blessing on them, your blessing on Ian, uh, uh, that as they go out now, that you be with them, encouraging them and blessing them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to come to a time of confession now. And uh, Susie is preaching this morning on the passage from 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, one of the verses in that reading says this. Christ himself carried our sins in his body to the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And so now we come to a time of confession, a time of saying sorry to God. And so let's review our week to ourselves, uh, how we've been with God this week. Let's just have a moment of reflection before we do anything else. And there will be some words for you to join in with as we confess to God. Jesus, good shepherd, help us to take the time and make the space to hear your call to us. The call to reveal your love, compassion and comfort wherever you need us to bind up the wounds of the victims of today's society. Jesus, good shepherd, Help us to, to take the time and to make the space to hear your call to us. The call to reveal in tangible and authentic ways your passion for those who feel powerless to make any changes for good in their lives. Jesus, Good Shepherd, help us to take the time and make the space to hear your call to us. The call to empty ourselves of all that is contrary to your life within us, so that your goodness and mercies are enjoyed, not as rewards to be hoarded, but as gifts to be shared. In your name we pray. Amen. 1 Peter says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For we were going astray like sheep, but now we have returned to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. So hear the good news. In Jesus Christ we are sought, we are found, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. And so we stand to sing our next song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Let's stand to sing together. <laughs> Thank you. 
And Rachel is going to bring us our Bible reading, and then Susie will come and preach. Uh, Rachel. The reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 18 to 25. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was it found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. 
When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of God. Pray for Susie, shall we? Father, we lift Susie to you now and thank you for her. We pray for her now. She brings your word to us that you would strengthen her, encourage her, and that we would hear, listen, and put into practice what we are hearing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hang on. I'm sorry, I forgot to put this on. Nothing new there. It's been a bit of a week. And I need more practice with one of these. Yeah. Is that working, Aidan? You're on. Great. Hang on. Here we go microphones. A 21st century delight. Great. Glasses got to go back on, otherwise I can't see you. And you're all very important and very wonderful. And I'm so thankful to see you today. This week has been quite a week. And for those of you that have preached, you know quite often in the run-up to what you're preaching about, you encounter a certain level of what you want to talk about for yourself. And as you know, the lovely word of suffering is in the title. And I wonder how many of you, and yes, I'm taking my shoes off because my feet are very hot. Sorry about this. This is part of being in hot culture at the moment. How many of you, when you became a Christian, were looking forward to the suffering? I can't see any hands here. So maybe there's some hands at home that we can't see. Hello, people at home. I know you're there too. I certainly did not. And I think it depends what era you may have heard the gospel and responded to it. Is It affects how you see and view God. So I was totally excited to become a Christian. I was full of joy and enthusiasm and opportunity. And what was I going to learn? And I confess that the whole concept of suffering, knowing Christ as I know him, it just doesn't work out too well. But thankfully... The New Testament helps us come to grips with the fact and the reality that if you're called to walk like Christ, suffering is coming your way in some shape or form. And some people seem to have a great deal more than others, but all of us have a certain level of suffering in our lives, which is unique to us. There may be similarities with other people, but it's unique, and how we respond involves us in our connection with God. 
And you know people and I know people who have suffered a great deal and they still have their faith at the end of it. And then there are those that have really suffered very badly and they lose it completely. So how does Peter, the wonderful number one apostle, how does he manage to help us today? Well, we've been looking at this wonderful book of 1 Peter, haven't we? And one of the most repeated words through Peter is suffering. There are 105 verses, and it comes about 16 or 17 times, depending on your translation. The whole theme of suffering. He's shouting at us about suffering. Once upon a time, I was in a class where there was a a teacher who came in to teach us about one Peter. And they rode their bicycle across the classroom and fell off. Somebody got in their way. They got off the bike and they said, one Peter is about how to keep going when you've fallen off the path. How do we keep going in the midst of suffering? And thankfully, among us in this fellowship, we have living examples who've persevered through suffering. But I'm going to start with a story of a man called Gerard. I've known Gerard for 20 years, and Martin's known him for 30, and he's one of the Kenyan pastors that we've worked with. Back in the 1970s, Gerard um, belonged to the Tharaka tribe, and the gospel came for the first time to that tribe. And Gerard responded and became a Christian. But within his family group, his father and his brothers in particular were very, very angry with him because he was saying goodbye to the old traditions and the old ways and he was embracing something they didn't really grasp or understand. And according to their tradition, they needed to kill him. At that time, Peter was living in a hut with his small young family and one night he woke up and he knew in the darkness there was danger How he knew, I don't know, but he knew. So he got up and he went to the door of his hut and he looked out into the darkness and he perceived men coming towards the hut and he realized it was his father and his brothers and they were coming to burn the hut down and kill him and his family. And he stood there. And I believe he was praying. And he waited. And when his father and his brothers saw him looking at them, they looked back and waited. And then they left. Who knows what they saw? We don't know. But they left. And Gerard stayed alive. And he became one of the foremost leaders of Reach the Unreached alongside Peter and Jotham. And he's recently retired, and he's an old man, and his sight is failing. But my goodness, does he know what it is to suffer? He knows it, and he still has great faith. Great faith. That's been one of my privileges of my life, to know that man, I tell you. So persecution for our faith in Jesus Christ has never ceased from the moment that he was crucified and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, having commissioned 
the apostles to go out. All down through the centuries, there have been waves of persecution that none of us want to have joined in. And today, there are various forms of persecution in this land. I wonder how many of you have been persecuted in subtle ways, maybe by your friends, maybe by your family, maybe in the workplace, or from strangers who don't even know you. I bet there's quite a few of us here, if not all of us. It's very, very subtle. So the chance for us, or the key for us, is how are we going to respond when people belittle us for our faith or laugh at us or deny us some privilege because we're a Christian? It's quite a challenge, isn't it? And I think persecution is increasing. I've certainly known it in recent times. And sometimes it can come inadvertently from our own body of believers. And sometimes people don't know what they're doing if they have a go at us. But it can happen. So here is Peter. Wonderful Peter. People laugh at uh, the Apostle Peter quite a lot. But I have to say, I really like that man. This is a man who walked with Jesus. He walked those three years. He got to know Jesus. He witnessed the death of Christ. He witnessed the resurrection tomb that was empty. He saw and met Jesus on the beach, just one story. And he saw him rise into heaven. And over the next 30 years or thereabouts until he wrote this letter, he walked with Jesus Christ and he suffered. And tradition has it that he was crucified in Rome in the early 60s, 30 or so years after Jesus had died and risen again. And he's still writing, he's still encouraging, and he has a depth of understanding about the nature and character of God that is a delight to read. I'm wondering how many of you have taken time to read the whole book out loud. And if you haven't, I would encourage you to do it, either on your own or with a friend or with a family member, whoever, or somebody who doesn't know God, It'll take you about 20 minutes, and the challenge is to keep going. Don't stop and ponder. Just keep going and read the whole letter and listen. When you read out loud, you're speaking the word. You've already seen it, you're speaking it, and you hear it, and you share it. I did it. It's fun. And all the way through, loads of questions will just in your brain. Hold those thoughts, read it again, talk about it, learn from it. There's a lot to learn from Peter's story in this letter, a lot. A man who suffered, a man who's a living testimony. He's a great witness, he's a great apostle. May you come to understand him some more. He's worth it. So my question is, I wonder what you're suffering today. And I would say that all of us have a level of suffering today after what the whole of the world has been enduring over the last couple of years through COVID. And we've, in some ways, we've moved on from lockdowns. We've got used to living with it. We've got used to people being sick. We've got used to people having long COVID. And we've got used to having vaccinations when they're available. 
But there are undercurrents in our lives that COVID has introduced that we were living with, but we, were, we are living with them to a greater degree. And one of those I've recently come to understand is uncertainty. Now, if you want to go into missions, and I will you know, encourage you, we've all got different levels of missions, but my calling was to go to all the nations. And when you do that, you walk trusting God for all sorts of things. Never mind the finances, you're trusting for connection, relationship, adventure, if you want it. All sorts of things happen. So I've learned to live with certain levels of uncertainty. But right now, like you, I'm adjusting to many other levels of uncertainty that come in my everyday life, such as groceries on the shelf in the supermarket. When lockdown was happening, certain things went short, didn't they? Lavatory rolls, flour, other things. But that seems to be continuing in certain ways. Tomato paste has gone off the shelf recently. Took a few weeks to come back, and then it came back. Just simple little things aren't what they were. And we don't know if they will come back. You can think of some others, perhaps. There's also been a huge amount of loss. Loss of goodness knows what. We can't quantify the levels of loss we've had. Not just family members, perhaps, but levels of relationship, people we connect with regularly. All sorts of things going on in the undercurrents of our lives we're having to come to terms with and adjust how we cope with these things. And I don't think it's going to happen quickly. Loss, uncertainty. One of the things about Peter is he's talking to a lot of people I think he may have known or heard about. And they're in a group, a huge area in Turkey. And he's got a hunch of the persecution that they're dealing with. He's possibly in Rome when he's writing this letter. And it's believed it's around 30 years after Jesus had risen again and gone back to heaven that he wrote this letter. And he may or may not know that persecution's going to rise. There's an emperor called Nero reigning in Rome, still the reigning empire in the known world. And Nero is bad news for the church. And thousands of people were crucified or torched alight. The persecution was beyond compare. So he's writing an exhortation in times when persecution is rising. And he's speaking to these people from his whole heart. And what I really love about the first sort of, I don't know, chapter 1 up to 2.10, chapter 2 verse 10, is how if you read between the lines, he so knows God. He so knows his faith. He so knows the word. He so knows the word. And he sure as heck knows the Holy Spirit. His word is alive when he's speaking. You can hear him. You can hear his passion. You can hear who he is. He's a marvel. And the Holy Spirit is with him as he writes. So these couple of paragraphs that we have today, 
Here he is, he's moved, he's given his whole theology, really, jam-packed in those chapters. And now he's going to talk to household servants. He's talked generally to people about how you respect authorities, and now he's talking to the household servants. And I use that word because the word slaves has various forms in the New Testament, and translators make their pick, but I just wanted to know what sort of slaves he was referring to, and he's referring to household servants who would have been slaves, but he's really speaking to a whole household. And as you know, he goes on to talk about wives and husbands, but he starts with the household servants. I like that. And he's talking to them knowing they're suffering. They often suffer with their masters. That was normal. Some masters were good. Some masters would help by their freedom. Some masters would be horrible and punish them regularly. So he's speaking to the household servants. And that's who we're looking at today. Notice he starts with servants. And it's a reminder, isn't it, that Christ came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was Christ, and he knew it. And Peter himself was a servant, a faithful servant. And he makes it clear in these few verses that if you're going to follow Christ, Christ suffered. Therefore, we suffer too. It's part of the calling. How often do you talk to somebody about Jesus, wanting them to come to know him, and you refer to suffering? Not an easy thing to do, is it? It's not attractive. Who wants to suffer? No thanks. How can we do that with integrity? How can we share what we've suffered? How can we testify to God's help? How can we do that? It's something to think about. Now, this is where I realize I'm a bit of a Muppet. I've forgotten to bring my Bible up, so let me just open it here. I want you to look, if you will, at 1 Peter chapter 2, and if you want to, at verses 22 and 23. And I'm going to read it out. Sorry, 21. I'm going to start at 21. So Peter is saying to these churches, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. He's calling those servants to integrity. He's calling them to integrity. He's calling them not to lie. He's causing them to stand out and be different from the spirit of the age. And then he says... When the crowd hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. 
Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Ever struggling not to hurl your insult back? Ever struggling not to make a threat when somebody's really irritated you or upset you? Are you struggling to trust God in the midst of a disaster, in the midst of loneliness, in the middle of desertion, in the midst perhaps of betrayal? All these things Christ experienced, and so have many believers. And it's highly likely that the churches he were writing to, in due course, they may well be betrayed, because most of them were Jewish in those churches. These are strong calls for us, aren't they? How can we stay with our integrity intact? How can we remain whole in the midst of whatever comes our way in these days, in the here and now? And one of the things we can do back is look back and see where God has been for us. God has enabled us to come through difficult times. And everybody's difficult time is valid. There is no comparison. Everybody's struggle is enough for each one. How can we keep going? And I think really the answer is with Christ. He entrusted himself. Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to the Father. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was really, really wrestling as he faced crucifixion, he knew what was going to happen. And he wanted the disciples to pray and they kept falling asleep. His forehead bled with the pressure of what was going on for him. And those, that bleeding is a real phenomenon. It can happen. And he said to the Father, if you can take this cup from me, take it. But not my will, yours when the chips are down, how hard is it to trust? It's a real challenge sometimes. Especially if you go around the mountain, like many of us do, me included, and you seem to be learning something again. And you think, I did this before. No. You can go for a deeper trust. There's no depth to trust in God. There's no graduation from trusting. There's always more. Because God is without end. He is fathomless, but he is present with us as we're in the suffering, as we're in the depths of it. He is a wonder, and he is faithful. He is so faithful. Do you know, if I deny God, he will not deny me, because he cannot deny himself. He is totally faithful. He is faithfulness. We can trust him. Right in the midst of really, really difficult things. You know, some of you know, a few years ago, Martin was really ill, my husband. And he had a heart problem nobody would ever encountered before in this, in this world, in this known country. There were articles from other countries about the problem, and nobody had operated on it. And he had a massive aneurysm on a blood vessel that was two, supposed to be two millimetres, and by, by the time they operated, it was 55 millimetres. 
We don't know how it didn't pop. It should have. And people used to say to me, are you worried? Well, I didn't find that worrying was going to be very constructive. I had to hold my own somehow. And I had to help other people pray, because praying for me was really very difficult. But what I chose was trust. And trusting God, no matter what, never failed me at all. Trust in God. What privilege we have. We know him. We have him. He's with us. He's unfailing. He will stay with us. So as things may become more difficult in whatever context in your own lives, remember Peter's exhortation. In the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can entrust ourselves to our faithful creator. It is him who holds us together. In him, all things hold together. That includes us. And there's always, always an opportunity, if we get it wrong, to repent and start again. What an extraordinary God we have. Jesus took the punishment for everything within us that breaks relationship. Everything. Everything that causes destruction. Everything that is unkind. It's been dealt with. And now we have to choose that way. Choose that way of walking with him. And he has given us the Holy Spirit to help us. What a privilege to be in this day. Knowing God and enabling others to know him too as we walk in our vulnerability and in our weaknesses. And I can't think who it was, but I've learned over the years from various people that when you preach about something, you're probably going to be tested on it. And do you remember we had Alan Aldous a few weeks ago talking about he'd, how he'd been tested when he was preaching about holiness? And that was a wonderful illustration. And this week, there are all sorts of unexpected things that I've been walking through that have not been a picnic. And weirdly, one of the most benign is 30 degrees temperature. I get heat stroke at 30 degrees, so my activities have been severely curtailed. It is what it is. I'm here, I'm alive. It's great. But what are the challenges for you in the everyday, in the here and now as you go out? And I want to encourage you. You are all incredible people. You are all walking by faith. You are all trusting God. But how can you trust him more? I spoke with a friend of mine I've known for 25 years this week. In, unexpectedly, we had a telephone conversation. And I knew that she'd got cancer. She's recently been diagnosed. She's had surgery. And the day I spoke to her, she'd just started her radiotherapy. And Sally's been in missions, teaching people the Bible like I used to for many, many years. And I asked her how she was doing. And she said when she went for the appointment that was going to give her the diagnosis, she walked into the room and she knew what was coming. And she said fear began to rise. She called out to God and she hasn't seen or felt it since. And as the conversation went on, 
she came out with something that she'd read that day, which was Psalms, she was reading the Bible in a year, which she hadn't done before, and she'd read between, I think it was Psalm 90 and 92, so three Psalms. And she said, as you know, in the middle is Psalm 91, that wonderful scripture where it talks about us hiding under the shadow of God's wing. And she said over the last 18 months as she's been walking this particular journey, and you need to know she's had various other amounts of suffering in her life, in various forms, like all of us. She said, I've learned to hide in God. And I thought, what's that? What is that? She inspired me. Now, Sally's streets ahead of me in so many ways. I really admire her, and I really admire her spirit, her overcoming spirit. But she said that, and I thought, how? How, in the midst of trauma, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of loss, in the midst of ongoing COVID, can I hide in God and know peace in all things? I've got a lot of learning to do, and I'm grateful for the inspiration. How about you? I wonder where you're at today for yourself, for your friends, your family, your home group, strangers you meet on the street. How can we learn to hide in God in the midst of whatever suffering we're dealing with? Let's pray. Lord, you love us. You help us. You are Emmanuel with us. And as we are here today with you, with one another, please would you help us to take hold of you, Jesus Christ, lover of our soul, mighty warrior, best friend. Would you help us take hold that suffering is part of our calling and you are with us in it. You enable us, you help us to walk it out, even unto death, however that death may come. We bless you, Lord, because you are risen, ascended and coming again. We bless you because you sent us the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we bless you and thank you. You are with us too. And Lord, we pray that as a fellowship, we may grow in our ability to trust you without leaning on our own understanding, to continually acknowledge you in all our ways and see you make a straight path before us wherever it leads. And Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you the glory for helping us so far along the road. And thank you for your promise. You will never leave us or forsake us. You cannot deny your faithful self. And we praise you and honour you for that gift today. You are great, God. Among the heavens and in the earth, there is no one like you. 
and we have this honour and privilege of knowing you, walking with you, and sharing you among our friends and families. Help us not hold back and help us know your wisdom in the sharing. We bless your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Susie, so much. Wow, a lot there. Uh, I don't know about you, but I need some time to think that through and reflect on, on, the, on the preach. And so we're going to uh, do that. There's a song I found in the week which, which uh, I think might, might help us just to focus on Christ and his sufferings. So let's just have some quiet, listen to this song. Uh, so thank you.
to a time of prayer now to God who is our living word and our blessed redeemer. The response as, uh, as I lead us in prayer is Holy Lamb of God, hear our prayer. Holy Lamb of God, hear our prayer. So let's pray. Dear Lord, Holy Lamb of God, shepherd of the world, you lead us to respite and relief. You, God, are our provider and our sustainer. And through your providence, we will never want for your presence. You lead us to fields of plenty. And you refresh our souls with the cool, clear water of your Holy Spirit. Holy Lamb of God, hear our prayer. You are the Good Shepherd. You are our guide. We follow you, Lord, because we know your voice. We know that you will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, that you will lead us through times of suffering. You are the gate. We can only come to the throne of grace through you. And you are with us. You are truly with us, God. You are Emmanuel, God with us. So we will not fear evil, but we will be comforted. You come to give us life and give it to us in abundance. You prepared your table for us and you anoint us for your service. And so, Holy Spirit, anoint us now, we pray. Help us to devote ourselves to your good teachings, to worship, to fellowship and to prayer. And we eat the food that you have given to us, spiritual and physical, to nourish us. Holy Lamb of God, hear our prayer. Today we pray for our sisters and brothers around the world, praying especially for those who suffer. And we pray particularly today for children who suffer. Those who live in plenty, also those who live in want. For those who live alone, the housebound and the aged, we pray for those who are absent from us, for whatever reason. We pray for those who are grieving and mourning. We pray for those who are imprisoned by addiction or disease. And a moment of quiet, let's lift those we know to God. Holy Lamb of God, hear our prayer. Help us to follow the example of Christ. Help us to remember that he personally carried our sins in his own body so that we can be dead to sin and alive for righteousness. Help us to rejoice that we have been healed by his wounds. Once we were wandering like lost sheep, but now we have turned to you, our good shepherd, the guardian of our souls. And so we say thank you, God. We pray that your goodness and mercy will follow us for the rest of our lives. These things we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, 
who is the Holy Lamb of God. Amen. And so we come to share the peace. COVID uh, is falling again, and so we uh, feel it's right to encourage you to share the peace with each other. Uh, if you'd like to, whilst being aware, of course, that some are still wanting to have that social distance. Uh, so can I suggest, as we are suggesting to, if you, if you don't want to be approached, to stay sat, uh, but also to hear the invitation to share the peace with those who are around you. And so can I ask that you stand as we share Christ's peace. Christ is our peace. He has, reconciled us to, he has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's share his peace with each other. We're going to stand and sing now, and uh, we're going to sing the song, Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. Let's stand to sing together.
going to use Eucharistic prayer being. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Give thanks to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, we give you thanks and praise through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your living word through whom you have created all things, who was sent by you in your great goodness to be our Saviour. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he took flesh. As your Son, born of the Blessed Virgin, he lived on earth and went about among us. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross. He put an end to death by dying for us and revealed the resurrection by rising to new life. So he fulfilled your will and won for you a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed the source of all holiness. Granted by the power of your Holy Spirit and according to your holy will, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so, Father, calling to mind his death on the cross, his perfect sacrifice made once for the sins of the whole world, rejoicing in his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, and looking for his coming in glory, we celebrate this memorial of our redemption. As we offer you this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we bring before you this bread and this cup, and we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence to serve you. Send the Holy Spirit on your people and gather into one in your kingdom all who share this one bread and one cup so that we in the company of all the saints may praise and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be yours, almighty Father, 
forever and ever. Amen. And so we pray the prayer that Jesus himself has taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
body of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. Blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.
so we will pray this prayer together following the communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. If I invite Ian to come up and show what they've been doing. Um, we feel it's right to offer prayer ministry on this occasion. Uh, Susie's preached a very powerful word about suffering and God being with us in our suffering. So uh, if you'd like prayer, um, Susie and I will be over at that sign after the service. Come and seek us out uh, and come with any need you have. God is more than big enough to be with us and, to, uh, and we can come to him in prayer. So do that uh, at the end. Ian, over to you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Summer is a great time to spend time with families, especially the summer holidays. It's a great time for families just to get together and do lots of really fun activities. And we started off by thinking of some fun activities we can do as families, things like playing cricket, going for a walk, building a den, or picking some fruit, and maybe just eating a few of them at the same time. But another great thing to do is to pray together. And we discussed about prayer. And we were saying to the children, when it comes to prayer, God knows what's on your heart. He's your best friend. So you can pray about the most important things in life or even something which is really important to you, like making sure you get that pack of wine gums at Sainsbury's. I do love their wine gums. So praying about all those sort of things. And a great prayer you can pray together as a family is the Lord's Prayer. And we made a little picture, a little placard, which has got the Lord's Prayer on it. And we sort of chatted about the Lord's Prayer. And the idea is, the children, please promise me you'll do this. I haven't asked you, so I'm springing it on you now. But please promise me, and everyone else, because we're all part of one big happy family here at church, that you take the prayer home, you put it on the fridge, and you pray it with your mum and dad in the course of the next couple of weeks. Will you do that for us? <gasps> I'll fix it now. You're okay to do that. Thank you. Wonderful. So let's, as we come towards the end of our service, let's sing our final song. Uh, this is a Chris Tomlin song, Forever. Uh, so let's stand and sing.
so as we go, remember God is with us. God is faithful forever. And remember that invitation for prayer if you'd like it. And so this blessing. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. So that you might show others the goodness of God. Who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So go from this place with confidence and in confidence, knowing that the presence and the power of God go with you. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon you and be with you this day and always. Amen. Amen. And so go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In, In the, the name, name of, of Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen.